we are li living around the road. In the night, you observe people carrying their loads, carrying their babies. Babies were, I don't know, was a terrible sight. Throughout the day, throughout the night, people were walking down to nowhere. If civil war comes, it will for us be the fight of freedom. How did these massacres and uh, the horrible things that happened affect you yourself and your, and your closest family? Oh, everybody here was affected. Everybody, practically everybody here, had uh, something that uh, touched him. Mm -hmm. um, I lost a few relations. You lost a brother, didn't you? Yes, in the in the army in in Ibadan, a uh, young young fellow he was um, killed. I had to run away from Lagos because it was, it was not safe. Um, soldiers went to the where I worked to look for me. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I, I still gave the thing two weeks to make sure whether it was just a handful of people getting out of hand. Mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't. It seemed like um, a well-planned and uh, coordinated program. So, I fled like many other people. In this episode, we talk about the displacement Biafrans faced during the Civil War running from their homes to wherever they could find shelter. The first anti-Igbo pogrom occurred in Jos on June 22, 1945, and it lasted for two days. It was reportedly the first instance of demonstrated intertribal hostility in modern Nigerian history. At least two people died, but many were injured and property was looted and destroyed. Joss had a large Igbo population, most of whom were concentrated in a part of the city, formerly known as the Native Town, but renamed the Igbo Quarter. Igbos also occupied jobs in all sectors of the economy, and the Northerners felt they could not find jobs for themselves because of this. Well, the Igbos are more or less the type of people whose desire is mainly to dominate everybody. If they go to a village, to a town, they want to monopolize everything in that area. In 1952, when I came here, there weren't 10 northerners in our civil service here. Then I tried to have it northernized, and now all, all important posts are being held by northerners. In actual fact, what it is, is a northerner first. If you can't get a northerner, then we take an expatriate like yourself on contract. If we can't, then we can employ another Nigerian, but on contract too. This is going to be permanent, I should say, for the, as far as I can foresee, because it will be rather dangerous to see the number of boys we are now turning from our, all our learning institutions coming out with having no, no work to do. Conflict kept brewing and another riot broke out in Kano in 1953. 
this time reportedly killing over 50 Igbos and injuring over 200. There was no formal inquiry into either program by the British colonial administration. Another program occurred on May 29, 1966, the most devastating of them all. It was said to be a joint effort between the local governments and bloodthirsty mobs. The program, the killing and massacre of heroes in the north, was in 1966. And as a result, heroes were very much annoyed about what happened because the trains brought down headless bodies. Many were massacred and thrown into the Makode River. Then, and the Igbos were very much annoyed of all the killings in northern Nigeria. One of the direct reasons was anger at Amadubelo's assassination in the so-called Igbo coup of January 1966. He was the Sodana of Sokoto and highly respected in the north. However, the match that set everything off was General Agui Ironsi's unification decree on May 24th, in which he put an end to regionalism. Violence ensued again in the mostly Hausa-led counter-coup of July 1966 and peaked on September 29th, carrying into October. The programs had an unofficial anthem, which was broadcast on radios and televisions in the north. The lyrics translate to Let's go kill the damned Igbo Kill off their men and boys Rape their women and daughters Cut off their property It is estimated that between 3,000 and 30,000 Igbos were murdered We thought there could be negotiations so that there would be no war but people were so infuriated, they were urging Ujuku to declare war, to secede from northern Nigeria, and people were not happy. Ojuku, the military governor of the eastern region, declared the Republic of Biafra a few months later. I just got married, 6th May 1967, and Biafra was declared 30th May, 1967. And my husband was in Calabar. At the time, the in Calabar decided that their wives and their children must go home from Calabar. So, I went and came home. Many Igbos from Calabar came home with their children. The men stayed behind. The war had already started in the Nsoka Axis. The Gekem, then down to Osoka, down to Enugu. Enugu had already been sacked. And there was a lot of strong smoke down, down on Isha. Bam. The story was had is that the house of Major Ifajula was being bought. The father's house was bought because they said he was a saboteur. And Ben Jock. Another Colonel Banjo in Yoruba. Of course, those two were shot and killed. Oka town was sacked. 
Then Amode followed. Then Lafia followed. Then Enugu followed. The fact is that if you hear that this town has been sacked, the next thing, the next town will move also. Refugees are moving to nowhere. They were only walking along the road. Morning, day, and night. So, for us, the husband was not there, but he left his car. And a uh, uh, relation of his is a driver. So I called him and said, We have to start thinking of what to do because everybody is going. So one night, when the shelling became unbearable, he came and said, Get everything. So he drove. The wife was in the car. The three children were the same car, in the car. Myself and my baby, my sister, my two little boys living with me. The car was filled to the brim. I could only take my baby's dresses and the mattress. I had only two dresses. So we found a house in Ambatao, Stayed there one day. This air raid came. The air raid was very, very terrific. It was stopping everywhere. People were running helter skelter. I managed to take my baby right inside the banana groove. You know, a groove Group of bananas around and just went in there, closed my eyes, and then do you know that day people were using trucks after the air raid to pack human flesh to dump. In fact, you wouldn't know who, who was killed or not because their flesh were scattered in pieces. Then I told my husband. That I won't stay inside the town again. We have to move, go to get, get, get to another bush. That was how we moved to Greek in Ikedu, local government. That place had lush, tall trees. Houses were built down. Any plane flying will not know that. There are houses under. So that was where we stayed till the end of the war. We left London in January 9 and got to Lagos 29th of January 1967. By then, most of uh, Easterners had almost left Lagos. When we arrived in Lagos, we couldn't travel by road. The Takwa ship was the last sail to Nigeria then, and it was to take us to Putakot. We were afraid to come out anywhere, but we braved it, went to see some of our friends in Lagos, and then let sailed to Putakot. I arrived Putakot, I think almost the end of January, because we spent three days in Lagos. From Putakot, we traveled by road 
by then there was not no problem in the eastern region. Traveled by road down to to my hometown, Nibo. I spent a few weeks at home and then came to Enugu, got an employment with the Ministry of Works. I said, point is well. We're about to settle down. My family, when the war started, they thought it was a joke. And eventually, the war, the Nigerian troops fired the first shot. I always remember that day. I was at the school to pick my two kids because they had two children the, from, uh, from the school, from primary school. Well, we had the first shot from a uh, hilltop and somewhere we say, no, never mind. Their friends are testing uh, their weapons, not knowing that the Nigerian troops were already in, uh, in any That night we had to pack our things. First thing in the morning, we left home. In fact, that should be the last time we came to any until after 13 months when the war ended. We left, we abandoned most of the things which we came home from London. But from there, we, we had to be conscripted into one of the agencies that was responsible for providing for uh, temporary accommodation for the refugees. So the war ranged and we stayed in, at the north until the end of the war. This is the building. This particular building, I know. How many families were living in there? Two families, the owner and we.